Join us now for Education Matters, a weekly look at the real people and real stories in education across North Carolina. Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Education Matters. I'm your host, Keith Poston. Education Matters was created by the Public School Forum of North Carolina, a nonprofit statewide education group I have the honor of leading as its president and executive director. Our goal with this new program is to provide you, the public, with the real facts about what's going on in education in North Carolina. Now, when I'm asked about the Public School Forum, I often say, we are nonpartisan, but we do have one bias. We believe in the power of public education. I think it's the single most important thing we do as a state. Now, each week, our show will have a central theme or topic. This week, it's teacher pipeline. With increasing retirements and higher turnover in our teacher workforce, along with steep declines in our teacher preparation programs, how will we ensure we have the teachers our children need? We'll discuss that today with some terrific guests. Now, each week before we tackle the main topic, we're gonna to open with a segment that we're calling Edlines. It's a quick scan of education headlines across North Carolina and the US. What's in the news, what people are talking about, and what's trending on social media. You'll be able to find information at ncforum.org, our website, about Edlines and other topics we cover today. With just over a month before the general election, we just watched the first presidential debate where I don't believe education ever came up at all. Now here in North Carolina, particularly in the governor's race, education issues are front and center. Both Governor Pat McCrory and Attorney General Roy Cooper are making education, and in particular, teacher pay, central to their pitch to voters. 53 people from across the country have applied to be the superintendent of what will be North Carolina's newest system, known as the Achievement School District. This new district was created by the General Assembly just this past session, and it will take five of the state's lowest performing public elementary schools and put them under new management. Outside entities, such as charter school operators, will then take control of the schools and manage and operate them. Similar efforts in other states like Tennessee have not been without controversy. We will definitely focus on this in a future episode. There was a great story this week in the Raleigh News and Observer about Crossroads Flex High School. It's a new public school that just opened in August in Wake County. The school targets athletes, performers, other Wake County teens who don't want a traditional high school schedule. It's really cool and innovative mix of online and in-person courses with classes in the morning, afternoon, or the evening. Uh, it's the first of its kind in Wake County and it has attracted students whose outside pursuits like uh, theater, dance, sports, often conflict with a standard high school schedule. We'll have to have the principal and some students on and hear how that's going. And finally, the state just completed a survey to get input from the public on what has historically been a very contentious issue, the state's mandated school start and stop dates. On one side, you have tourism folks and many parents who don't want traditional school calendars encroaching on summer vacation time. And on the other side are school officials who say that the lack of flexibility leads to problems like testing issues and other education advocates who believe we need more options to meet the students, whether it's the length of the school day or the overall calendar. The survey is part of a likely effort next year to review current law and propose changes, if any. 
As I said at the top of the program, we're going to focus on North Carolina's teacher pipeline today. Take a look at these numbers that are coming up on the screen. The University of North Carolina system is our state's single largest source of teachers in North Carolina. The numbers here on the screen represent the enrollments at these prospective schools of education. You can see enrollment down as much as 38% since 2010 at UNC and 28% down at NC State. Overall enrollment in our UNC system schools of education is down 30% since 2010. Well, who better to help us understand what this all means than our first two guests? They are, we have Dr. Marianne Danowitz, who is the Dean of the School of Education at NC State, and we have Dr. Van Dempsey, who is the Dean of the Watson School of Education at UNC Wilmington. Thank you both for joining us here today. Thank you, Keith, for having us. Thank, Thank you. you. Well, Marianne, I want to start with you. I just showed the numbers for NC State on the screen overall since 2010. What are you seeing at NC State in terms of enrollment trends, both undergrad and graduate in education programs? Well, Keith, as you highlighted the decline, uh, we are experiencing what most other schools are. But what we're seeing are some, I think, appreciable differences, that it's very, very clear right now that the students and the, and the professional educators who are coming to us for further education are deeply committed and passionate in what they're doing. Also, what we have done is we've made it very clear that we are continuing to have the highest standards that we've always had. And that means that we're not trying to increase our numbers to go against the national trends. That means that our undergraduates who are coming in come in with a grade point average of about 4.3 and SAT scores hovering around 1,200. It also means that we know that our uh, professional educators who are continuing for their masters or doctorates are coming in because they believe in the importance of continuing their teaching and learning to be better in their roles. It means they're picking up more of the costs than they have in the past. Right. Van, I saw UNC Wilmington's numbers a little bit different, at least on the graduate side, you've seen some increases. Uh, what sort of, what has been the trend um, at UNCW over the last few years? We've seen different trends within a, a broader pattern of enrollment changes. What, what has happened at UNCW is we've seen declines in undergraduate enrollment over the last five years. The, the nature of the decline is different for depending on the certification program the students are in. We've seen increases in, in graduate programs. So while we've seen some shifts in the undergraduate population, people who are coming to the university as freshmen and sophomores, and we're focused on trying to change that direction at the undergraduate level, there are some programmatic efforts that have happened with our academic leadership in the college that have, where we've actually seen some growth in some areas at the graduate level that are offsetting some of the declines at the undergraduate level. And I gotta say, looking at these numbers, 28, 30, 35% decline, that's kind of alarming, particularly when you understand that, again, we're focusing on the UNC systems because we have you, but we have our private colleges and universities that are also seeing declines. I mean, what are, you know, we've got, uh, and those are declines in enrollment, so in some ways, that hasn't actually hit us yet, right? Because these are students who weren't, would, would have been graduating um, in a couple of years. What are students telling you about either why they're choosing not to go in? I mean, what, uh, what do you think's going on? Well, we know from, from students as well as teachers who work in our PDS partnership, our faculty who are interacting on a regular basis with people out in schools, that there is, a, there is sort of a narrative out there that uh, 
cast the teaching profession to some degree in a negative light. And so there are pressures that are on young people who are thinking about teacher education as a major, career changers who might want to go into the profession, and that uh, the, the context in which they're making that decision is certainly different than what it was when I became a teacher. You emailed me something ago. earlier. I'd love for you to share this with our audience. I thought these were really cool. Sure. Um, you asked your students about. Uh, the Watson Student Leaders, which is a group in our college, I asked them when I was invited to be on the panel, if they would talk to their colleagues in the teacher education program through their classes and through surveys to try to get information on why teacher education students might be cautious about the choice to become a teacher. We converted that into a Wordle based on the answers, which is what this is. And you can see in the visualization of their answers what was most prominent to teacher education students wow. in our program. Marianne, let me ask you something. Um, there are no silver bullets, obviously, to address this, but if you could wave a magic wand um, and make something change tomorrow, what would be at the top of your list? At the top of my list, Keith, would be to do something like what South Carolina has done or Governor Pence did in Indiana a couple of months ago, and that is to recruit the most talented high school graduates and career changers who want to pursue education and to support the cost of their education with the expectations that they'll have outstanding preparation and will stay in our schools in North Carolina. These programs have been extremely successful and have reduced the cost of debt. For example, our students, many of them leave with loans that are going to be greater than the cost of the salary they're going to earn for their first couple of years. Uh, well, in college teaching. affordability is obviously a it's big, big issue thing. for a lot of students. I appreciate both of you for being here today. Um, up next, um, our audience will want to stick around because we have two outstanding North Carolina teachers joining us. Each is at a different point in their career. One is just beginning, and one is a veteran teacher with 13 years in the classroom. We'll ask them their perspective. Um, but as we go to break, here's a question for you at home. What is the turnover rate of teachers leaving our state? We'll have the answer when we return. Welcome back to Education Matters. In the first segment, we talked about where teachers are prepared in North Carolina. Now we're joined by two products of that teacher pipeline. Trey Ferguson is a third year math teacher at Leesville Road High School in Wake County. I should point out he's a proud NC State alum. Um, and we have uh, Shamika Benwells, who is a teacher at Wilson Mills Elementary School in Johnston County. Um, she's in her 13th year of teaching, um, and she graduated both from Meredith and from NC State. So welcome, <laughs> there you go. So welcome both of you for, for, uh, for, for being here today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. All right, I'm gonna, let me just, um, I'm gonna start with you, Shamika. Um, if we could cut our turnover rate in half, and we saw on the screen that we're right now, last year was about 14% on the statewide average of teachers leaving. If we could cut that in half, we'd virtually eliminate teacher shortages uh, with the exception of some very hard to staff areas. Are we doing enough to keep our current teachers like you in the profession? 
I think that we're not doing enough. Um, is one thing that we could really do is work on professional development. We do a lot of one and done professional development and that doesn't help teachers in their practice. So something we could do is work on having ongoing professional development, differentiated professional development, because the things that new teachers need to learn are not the same things that veteran teachers need to learn. Right, so I mean, so like any other profession, um, you know, teachers, you get better as you, as, as you get more experience and, um, and you need different things and different supports. Um, Trey, you're a, you're a new teacher, relatively new, third year. Um, I mean, I guess I'll ask you in the very first part is, you know, why did you become a teacher? Um, we've heard about some of the climate and the challenges. You just started. <laughs> yeah, so I always wanted to be a teacher ever since. There was a brief time where I wanted to be a fireman, but that went, <laughs> went by pretty quickly. But I always wanted to be a teacher because I really respected my teachers in school and saw them as, I mean, they had, they had just so, so much power. They just, and they were so fun and engaging. And in high school, I had a teacher say, you know, Trey, you're really good at math. Why don't you be a math teacher? And so I and applied to NC State for math. Well, that's true. Now, I know you were involved in something called the North Carolina Teacher Voice Network, which has given you a great perspective to hear from teachers across the state. Um, what's the mood? So I think the mood is really two parts. You have a lot of teachers who are feeling defeated. And the network has been a wonderful eye-opening experience to talk with teachers across the state and how they feel in their districts and their schools and what opportunities they have or don't have. And they feel defeated because they don't have a voice or a seat at the table for a lot of these key education policy decisions. But the other side of that is teachers are innate problem solvers. And so we went in it for the kids to teach kids. And so all of that cloud of negativity and that mess that's coming towards us we really put that on the back burner every day, and then we have this positive mood in our classroom with our kids because that's where we make the most difference. Well, that's well. We're, we're glad that you do. Now, Shamika, you started teaching 13 years ago. Um, a lot has changed for teachers Absolutely. in North Carolina. I mean, talk to me about uh, now versus then. I remember back then it seemed like teachers were a lot more enthusiastic about teaching. Now it seems like children teachers are more stressed out about testing and all the paperwork that we have to do, so they seem like they're not enjoying teaching as well. Now, I just saw a report that just came out from the Learning Policy Institute, and it talked about uh, why we're seeing this decline, and they cited some things that, that, um, um, that we should be thinking about. More competitive pay, training, training subsidies, including teacher scholarship, forgivable loan programs, and improved working conditions. Do those ring true to both of you as, as the kinds of things that we should be thinking about? That's right, especially because teachers are wearing so many different hats. It would be nice if they were compensated. Right, what about you, Trey, what do well, you? I'll go ahead and say that one of the driving factors behind becoming a teacher was not only did I, I have that desire and that will, but there was a teaching fellows scholarship available to me that I could not have gone to NC State University without. And so that really enticed me into, I want to be a teacher. Well, now I have a means to go to school for it. And that's why I made that jump. Right. Well, uh, thank you both for what you do every day. I, I don't think we, should, we all should thank you more. Uh, as a dad myself with a, with a daughter in high school, I appreciate what you do every day. So thank you so much. And thank you for being here today on our first episode. Now, when we come back, we're going to go to Hope County uh, for our weekly leadership spotlight. Leadership Spotlight is presented by the Burroughs Welcome Fund.
Advancing biomedical science by supporting research and education. Each week, Education Matters will spotlight individuals demonstrating exceptional leadership in education in North Carolina based on nominations from you, our viewers. These leaders could be principals, superintendents, people from your community, teachers, business people, parents, students, really anyone who is demonstrating leadership for our schools. Thank you to the Burroughs Welcome Fund for their support of this segment. This week takes us to Rayford, North Carolina in Hoke County and its superintendent, Dr. Freddie Williamson. Dr. Williamson has more than 30 years of public service and education with the past 10 years as superintendent of Hoke County Schools. Now, we're not the first ones to recognize his leadership. He's North Carolina's current superintendent of the year and a finalist for national superintendent of the year. So let's hear directly from Dr. Williamson now. One of the challenges I faced when I started in Hope County was to address the capacity of the employees in the district to do the work. I made a tough decision to replace every principal at that point, and that's paid off because success of an organization depends upon quality leadership. And you have to be honest about the facts, whatever those facts are. Um, and they're brutal sometimes. Um, the dropout rate was extremely high. The graduation rate was 47%. Critical issues, and how do you change that? We've added digital and technology in every building, every department. We created a strategic plan, and without a strategic plan, you don't have a vision of where the district can go, or what the goals and objectives should be. And that's been extremely successful. 10 years ago, um, we were on the verge of being taken over by the state. Uh, and 10 years later, we don't have any low-performing schools, and all of our schools met or exceeded growth. And I attribute that to leadership. I love having conversation with our students, uh, young minds. They always make you laugh, and they always remind you of why you do this work. We've come a long way, but we're only just behind. We have so much more work to do. What an inspiration. Our, our schools, frankly, are filled with people just like Freddie Williamson. If you know someone who deserves to be spotlighted, visit our website at ncforum.org and click on Education Matters and you'll find a link to nominate a leader. After the break, this week's final word. Each episode of Education Matters will end with a final word. I hope if you take nothing else away from this first episode, you see we're going to tell it like it is. We do have a teacher pipeline issue that is quickly becoming a crisis. In some of our counties, particularly down east, it is already a crisis with schools losing 35% or more of their teachers every year. Now what kind of education can we provide our children with that kind of turnover? certainly not the experience they need and deserve. Now, there are no quick fixes, but listening to those two teachers 
it's clear that we need to start by doing a better job of treating our teachers in North Carolina like the professionals that they are. Frankly, we already know how to do this because we've done it before. The report I referenced earlier from the Learning Policy Institute held up North Carolina as an example of how to address teacher shortages. That report highlighted that during the 1980s and 1990s, North Carolina increased teacher salaries to the national average, boosted requirements for education programs, launched a mentoring program, invested in professional development, and promoted national board certification. As a result of reforms like this, not only did we address our teacher shortage, we posted the largest gains and sharpest reduction in the achievement gap of any state in the country, and we became the first southern state to achieve above national average scores in both reading and math. The question is, do we have the will to do it again? Thank you for watching our inaugural episode of Education Matters. If you miss a broadcast, every episode is available online at ncforum.org or on wrl.com. Search Education Matters. See you next week. <laughs>